When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Anne-Marie Cross. Wanted to stop by and introduce today's show. It was actually a show that I recorded on behalf of one of my clients. Uh, I host a podcast called Smart Connect Podcast. They're a client of mine and that's a fortnightly, so a bi-weekly show targeted to SMEs. And we've got some really great guests there. But one of the guests that was featured not so long ago was talking about recruitment and hiring the right sales people for our business to help us take our business to the next level. And I know that for many ambitious entrepreneurs, we get to a stage where we just can't do everything ourselves and we then need to look at expanding our team and often that is through a salesperson. And the guest, Frances Pratt, shared some incredible insights and I wanted to make sure that you heard what she had to say too because I know it's going to be extremely valuable. So without any further ado, onto the show. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneur network.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Smart Connect Podcast, the podcast for small to medium sized enterprises. Join your host, Anne Marie Cross, as she interviews business experts and industry thought leaders on best practice initiatives, innovation, and insights to help you grow your business. Now, over to your host. Welcome to Smart Connect Podcast, Episode 9, featuring business experts and industry thought leaders to help you effectively navigate a constantly changing and disruptive marketplace. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Did you know that studies have found that 46% of new hires fail? And according to my guest and the clients she's worked with, that figure is a lot higher when it comes to sales staff. And similar studies have found that 86% of those new hires' failures were to do with attitudinal problems. Joining me on today's show is Frances Pratt. Frances is a sales success architect. Businesses need sales and salespeople, but most businesses haven't prepared their businesses to be salesperson ready. With 20 years in direct sales and business experience, coupled with an MBA, Francis delivers this vital missing ingredients into your business so you can confidently employ salespeople and set your business and everyone in it up for success. Now on today's show, Francis is going to speak about the key ingredients of why businesses fail when they employ salespeople and what to do about it. She's also going to share insights on how to recruit salespeople transparently. So that means that everyone understands the success formula and the part that they play. She's also going to speak about three key things you need to explain and measure to ensure success for your business and your new salesperson. So welcome to the show, Francis. Thank you, Anne-Marie. So grateful for this show and I've been listening to some of the other episodes and they're really fantastic. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, your area of expertise, particularly around salespeople, I think is going to really add incredible value as well because, you know, as our businesses are starting to implement some of the strategies that we've spoken about already around marketing and growth, 
we need to expand our team. But when we hire the wrong people, we can often find ourselves in a lot more trouble than, uh, yeah, than we started off with. So let's dive in. Key ingredients of why businesses fail. We can use this as kind of an indicator. Are we doing this? And is this the reason why if we have hired someone, it's failed for us? What are some of these key ingredients? To me, typically, if you think about how a business grows, the business owner is the driving force and they drive the sales. They might not call it selling, but they're the one who's getting out there, delivering the message and then delivering on, on that product or service to that client. And what happens is they forget exactly how they do it. They've learnt it through the school of hard knocks. So it actually lives inside their gut. It's intuitive for mm -hmm. them. So by the time they get to around to employing a salesperson, they've got to that point, they actually don't stop and tell people how to sell effectively in their business. Mm. So they forget to do that. And the other key thing that they don't do is they don't stop and think, what are they really fearful about? with a salesperson. Often it's about the money, but it can also be about this person's representing and talking to people about my business. What if they're not telling the truth? What if they overcommit and then we can't deliver? You need to unpack how you sell, but equally you need to unpack what you're worried about so that you can build a success plan that addresses all of that. Mm. So there's practical steps, like obviously the measurement, the the outcomes that we want the to put into place that people can work towards. But then also before that, it's taking a step back and really formulating and getting clear on some of the key things that we do as business owners when we're speaking to potential clients. That's often difficult, isn't it? To take a step back and almost like put in slow motion, what are we thinking? What's the mindset behind that process that we naturally just do and how we show up to, you know, in our conversations with clients? Where is a great place to start for someone to even consider how do I do sales? You know, the interesting thing is just the great place to start is exactly what you've just said, Anne-Marie. If you think about, um, and probably an easier analogy is when we drive a car. So if I asked you now, what are exactly the steps that you do when you drive a car, you probably couldn't tell me. Mm. But it's only when you go to teach someone else, like you have a, a child who gets their learners, that you have to go, oh, right. Now, how do I do that? Hmm. And you have to really draw it back into no step one is this and you have to know how to do that calmly <laughs> when, uh, you know, the learner driver is, is, is going down the road. So um, I think that's a really good analogy. We, exactly as you said, we forget to stop and think and, and go back through that process and what we're doing. So um, one of the things that I like to help people think about is it's not about what you do it's really about your client journey mm -hmm. so that's often a good way to separate it from yourself is to think well what's the first thing I do for my client you know and what the next step and then the next step what's that client journey mm -hmm. um, and then mirroring it across that journey. I think why this is so important to talk about is that often as business owners, when we're looking at expanding our team, it's because there's a need, you know? And so often when there's a need, that means we're very busy, we're time poor. And if we haven't got these structures and these key things in place, it's very difficult to have someone come on board and be able to pick up and just continue and start to deliver the, the outcomes that we're really looking for. 
is there a time, I mean, obviously if there's um, a company who's considering hiring a salesperson, is there a time before that that you say to businesses, look, if you're starting to expand and you really do have some great expansion goals on, on the table, you know, on your goal setting sheet or whatever you put into place, you really need to start looking at these key things, putting them into place, you know, at least a month or so before you even start hiring. Does that, does that make, question make sense? Just so that we can start to prepare ourselves. Look, we know we're going through a, a growth and expansion phase. We know we're going to be hiring. So actually now is the time that we need to start documenting so that when we do start the hiring process, everything's in place. Exactly, exactly. So the first thing that I do with clients is I sit down with them and say, well, Let's really understand if we're going to start with the client, because that's what we want more of, mm -hmm. that we're employing a salespeople to get more clients. So let's start with the end in mind. So I start with the client. Let's really understand who is this salesperson going to go and talk to? What's your ideal client? Who do they look like? What do they really want? Mm. Um, and once we know those key drivers, then the logical next step is then documenting, well, what's that process that they go through? What are the questions that they might have? What are the materials and other things that we have that we can help the salesperson support that client journey? And do we need to sort of refresh those? Often, you know, businesses, as I say, the founder has been there and he's been driving it intuitively and getting people on board intuitively as well. So often they're missing some of the key documentation around around those client steps. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's the key preparation. Who's your client and what do they really, really want? And then what's their journey and how can we help them along that journey through the sales process? Something else that uh, I'm sure is in part of that process and it really ties into some of the statistics that we shared in the introduction to the show was around, you know, 46% of new hires fail and from the experience that you've had with many clients and helping them into documenting the, the sales process and, and to, so that they can really attract the right team members to join their team. You, you've said that a lot of those people have had uh, even increased figures. Attitudinal problems, hiring people with the wrong attitude. Why are so many businesses getting that wrong? I think there's two reasons from inside the business. So from the business owner's perspective, because they don't get clear on actually what they think success looks like, what are the values that are important to the business and kind of on the dark side of that, what are their fears mm -hmm. around employing someone else to, to take on that sales role? So they don't get clear on that. Because they're not clear on, on those values and, and the things that they're looking for, they can't communicate that effectively. And then I think on the salesperson's side, when they're looking from the outside in into a business thinking, well, is this the right job for me? If we make it crystal clear who the ideal client is, what the sales process looks like, what values are key to delivering inside that business and important to the very core of that business, and then building out a complete success plan so that everybody looks at that and goes, wow, I completely understand what I'm being asked to do, why and how I'm going to be measured mm. on that. So I think what we're doing is we're saying, if you're going to have attitude around these key points, tell me about it in the interview process and kind of self-select out that environment's not going to suit you. Or equally, 
what I find is when you present all of this material to a salesperson who fits that and can see success for themselves in, in all of those areas, they just get so excited that they've found a place where it's there is transparency and they've found a place where they can be successful, that that attitude isn't, that bad attitude isn't there from, from the beginning. Mm. For business owners then and CEOs who've now heard you say, you know, identifying getting really clear on what are some of the key things that there may be some fear around or maybe some concerns around. Why is that a process that's so important? Yeah, that's a great question, Anne-Marie. What I've found is that the key concerns that people have are either around sort of how much they're paying and they often get stuck on, on the annual figure. So they think, oh, I'm going to pay this person sort of eighty or $100,000 a year and I'm just going to use $120,000 because then the maths is easy. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I say to people is you're not going to pay them $120,000. You're going to pay them $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. So if we get the hiring process right, we work out the, the metrics inside that makes that a positive return on investment for the yes. business. Secondly, if let's assume that we put someone on, we put them through this beautiful transparent process, but we do choose the wrong person. Then we've got a success plan that means at the outside, our risk is 90 days. So that's $30,000, not $120,000. So sometimes it's about reframing how people are thinking about it and what mechanisms we put in place to control that risk. Then when the fears are around the person, Often that's when a business, the sales have been done by the founder or, or the business owner and that business is their baby and they've, they've nurtured it and it's grown and they're immensely proud of, of what they've created and so they should be. And what they're worried about is scuttlebutt around salespeople that, you know, they all lie, they misrepresent things, they they say things to get the sale and then knowing that no one can deliver. So those mm. types of fears, I often hear people talk about those types of themes. And really what people are saying is, you know, I want people to represent my business properly. So then my question to them is, fantastic, how do they do that? What are the three key values or four key values that you will know that they are representing your business properly? And then how do we show these people that we're going to measure it? And then how do we measure it? I worked with one client where to her, the client experience was paramount. So what she put in place was for the first week that this new salesperson had started, she was going to call each of those clients and just check that everything was had gone smoothly. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't something that was told to the salesperson after they had started. We used that in the interview process. Because they were also keen and focused on client value, they had no problem with that. Mm. And this is just one example of that transparency. Well, how can you get crystal clear on what's important? Then how can you communicate that and why it's important? And then how are you going to follow up and measure on that so that you're comfortable that this person is delivering on those key values? Mm. And I think that's such a fair and equitable and, and really sound process and principle, if you will, if you want to call it that, to have in place. Because how often do we, either even for ourselves and specifically, for other people we have set expectations but unless we communicate them it's going to be very difficult for them to work towards other other key areas when it comes to transparency that we need to be mindful of yes look I, I think to me those measurements come in three key areas obviously 
when we employ a salesperson and you know one of the great things about being a salesperson is you're really crystal clear on how you're measured in the ultimate sense which Mm -hmm. is about sales in the door but we've got to step it back from that because particularly if you've got a long sales cycle or if clients only come on after 12 months of talking to them you don't want to have a salesperson who isn't delivering and then only discover that in 12 months time the end result is obviously important and that's what the salesperson is there to do is to deliver sales and new clients in the door but what are the steps back from that what are the number of meetings that they should be having how many phone calls what number of proposals what are your success rates what's a good success rate what's a great success rate and having some metrics and measurements around those steps in the sales process and being really clear about how the company is delivering on those and how you expect the salesperson to deliver on those mm-hmm. so that really I know I keep saying the word transparent but it is my one of my favorite words mm-hmm. but we're really making it crystal clear what the investment is what we're asking the salesperson to do and how we're supporting them and doing that and then what the results need to look like. This is so important, particularly, I mean, it's important for any business, but particularly for businesses that do have a longer sales cycle, like if it does take 12 months of nurturing and relationship building before you've got a client who says yes. Yep, Mm. absolutely, absolutely. And so for those companies, those preceding or indicator metrics are more important to focus on and when you've got a relationship-based business then that also speaks to the real importance that I was speaking of before which is the values what are the key values that you know that relationship is built around with your clients Mm -hmm. do you find that a lot of business sorry to interrupt do you find that a lot of businesses when you're talking about you know metrics indicator metrics It's because they haven't got that clear because obviously, okay, if we want one big client, like say a client's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and obviously it's going to take time to nurture that. So for every client, if we've got a, you know, X percent conversion rate, uh, I mean, we then need to start to have X amount of conversations per week, which then turn into when you start looking at and breaking it down like that that really puts a whole new way of approach, isn't it? From, well, I'll just go to a networking meeting or I'll just attend this event. <laughs> when you really start to, to measure, because you can see that there's gaps. If you haven't had meetings with people, if you hadn't followed up with people, that's why you're not converting and you know, you're know you not getting clients saying yes at the end of the funnel or the end of the process, because you haven't been having enough conversations throughout the months or throughout the weeks. Yep, absolutely. Look, so often businesses, and I'll, I'll go and pick on the business owner again, you know, if, if they've been doing it intuitively, mm-hmm. they say to me things like, yeah, but I just know, and they do. Mm. And, you know, often they're really right. They know in their head whether someone's going to say yes or no, you know, from that first phone call or the first meeting. And that's great. But how do we translate that? And all of the things that I'm putting in place are to do two things. One, to make it clear to the salesperson about what's expected of them, but equally to make it safe for the business owner to allow the salesperson to do those things and to have some measurements that are a guide to whether that salesperson is being successful mm, or not. Yes. Um, so it, it's, it's that safety that allows people to employ someone knowing that they've got the right measurements and the right things in place to control kind of what's going on 
mm-hmm. uh, when that person starts. And this really circles right back beautifully to what you were saying earlier that you need to be really clear on your ideal client, who they are, what are their pain points, so that if you had a look at the various conversations that you were having with potential clients, if you weren't able to honestly say, yes, they tick many of the boxes, many of the areas that make up our ideal client, you know, then you can see, well, you know what, at the end of the day, when it comes to the pointy end of the conversation, is it a yes or, you know, or a no, then you're probably more likely going to get a no because of the fact that, hey, these conversations are not with your ideal client. Exactly. That's perfect, Anne-Marie. And Mm. I think that that's the thing, you know, when we're asking someone to take on a process, a sales process, we've got to lay it out for them. But equally, we've got to teach them each step of the way what happens and then be able to coach them in that. So as you say, if they get right to the end of the sales process and the person says no because they weren't really a qualified lead to start with, well, we need to go back to the beginning of the process and coach that salesperson on, well, what are the key qualifications Mm. for our ideal client and how do we elicit those so that we're not wasting our time with a person who is really not qualified in the first place to say yes to us. Why I think this is so exciting, and this is from someone who if I had a salesperson, and we know because we've worked together and I know you're <laughs> wonderful at what you do, so I'm having experienced your process. When you have these indicators in place and you're clear, it is like almost if you can use the analogy of putting the pieces of the puzzle together because you know when you're speaking to someone, are they my ideal client? Can I really support them? And you know that if it's a no, then you're not going to spend valuable time on both parties both theirs and yours to spend a lot of time and investing but you can then go and see the people that you know are struggling and can certainly benefit from your products or or, or your services. Fran now you mentioned there's three key things I think you've already spoken about one what are some of the other things that we need to know when it comes to explaining and measuring success? The second thing are the values what are those key values and more importantly, how, how do we know that that is happening? How are we going to measure that? How do we explain that to someone in a way that they know what they're delivering on? That salesperson knows how to deliver that. Mm-hmm. And equally, the business knows how they're going to measure and control that over time. The third key point that's really important is growth. Particularly if this is your first salesperson, there's so much to learn in that process. And how do we modify and grow and change that over time so that we really allow all of the people inside the organization and indeed your clients as well to really thrive and flourish? So I think, you know, it's great to uncover all of this stuff, uh, the numbers and the values, but then you've got to accept that there will be growth and growth creates change and then basically take that time to review again and look for the areas that need to change. Mm. And I think Mm. having a transparent but also creating an environment in which there is conversations to and fro. So in other words, if your new salesperson can see that if they change things a little bit, they can come forward with these suggestions and that it be welcomed. It doesn't mean that as as the business owner, as the CEO, we need to take that on board, but at least be open and be willing to hear our team member out so that they feel that 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 they are heard it's important to have that two-way conversation isn't it and create an environment in which they that new team member can feel safe in in coming forward and expressing their views 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. When we're talking about values, because values is very dissimilar to, to metrics. We've got a number, that's it. Values are very more esoterical, if that's the word. Let's talk about how can we put into place, because it's a feeling, isn't it? When, when values are being met and delivered upon and we're creating experience about that, our clients and, and our team members will be able to feel in the certain way that we want them to, like integrity, honesty, uh, excellence are, are just some values that come to the top of my, my mind. What are some things that you share with your clients when it comes to values? Well, I think that's really good. And I think often what we do when we're worried about something, um, let's let's use honesty because, you know, the, often people have that, that thought that a salesperson is going to be dishonest mm -hmm. in some way. And they'll say things to me like, well, I, yeah, I interview them, but they're good salespeople. Of course, I, you know, how do I know whether I can believe them? So that honesty question comes up a lot in, in various different flavors. So let's, let's just unpack that and think about how we deliver that in a transparent way. So the first thing I would say is let's be clear that honesty is a key value inside the business. So just by naming it, and saying why that's important mm. and showing examples of how other team members deliver on that promise. You know, how do the delivery people show their honesty? How does the business owner show their honesty? So thinking about the actual application of that value inside the business. Mm -hmm. So I think that step one is just to name it and say why it's important. I think secondly, um, and if we think about Honesty as an example, I spend a lot of my time working in IT and I would often, as a salesperson, you know, when I started working with a, with a new technical person, they'd often say to me, oh yeah, salespeople, you know, promise everything and then we can't deliver. Mm. So I would say to them, and, and I think this is the second point, you need to co-opt. It's, it's not just about the salesperson. It's about the business owner. It's about the delivery people. It's about everybody in the business. So mm -hmm. if, if, Delivering on the promise that we say is so important, what tools are we going to give the salesperson? So, for example, in an IT situation, do you send out a technical person with the salesperson as a resource? So it's not just about the individual, it's the team. How do the team deliver on this value? You know, it might not be worthwhile to send two people to every meeting. So then you know, at what stage does that become worthwhile or what size of client is that worthwhile? So these are the types of things that I tease out with the individual business and I really get down and deep with them and about, well, how do you, how are you going to know that that's being delivered on? Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it is about checking back in with your client because ultimately that's who we're there for. Mm -hmm. The whole business should be built around the client. Um, so having regular reviews and check-ins with the client where you review the sales process and, and how they felt that it, it went. And so it's just all of those sort of processes will, and if you're clear about the key values and then you build the processes around that, that will bring that to the surface, then you've got a way of measuring it. Mm, yeah. And, you know, as I'm hearing you speaking and I'm sure people are hearing you share these key insights and the things that we need to have in place, you can really see how important it is because if you do have a team of people, you gave the example of IT, if you've got a salesperson who's not really aware of the time it will take 
for the supporting team back at the office who are developing this software or whatever it might be to take, you know, as, as part of the process, realistically, then they're not able to give a fair time scale and time frame for clients. So of course, they're going to promise unrealistic things because they're not sure of that. It really confirms how important it is for us as a business owner, as the CEO, to get clear on this, to have it documented, to educate that and to support our sales team to know that so they can be empowered, make decisions or even have uh, things to say. I'm glad that's a great question. Let me get back to you on that and uh, with a firm so that they need, they, they know. We, and being transparent too in the conversation that we're having exactly. with clients. I'm not sure about that. Let me ask the technical people and I will get a response back to you. And I think that's a win-win-win for everybody, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, what I like to focus people on is because often people are worried, you know, about the money and the, the values and the et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, let's think about why they want a salesperson. So when you get a great business and they meet a great salesperson, then amazing things can happen. Mm. So to me, let's focus on that and then let's create a success plan that's clear. What's the company investing? What's the salesperson being asked to invest? And what's the return on yeah. those things? And how are we going to know that we're, you know, at 30 days, at 60 days, at 90 days, how do we know that, that we're absolutely on the right track? Or is this bit a bit, everything's 80% right, but this, this area here is a bit wrong. Well, we've got to know where the area is so that we can get in and diagnose and fix the problem. Mm -hmm. um, so all of those things are important that in creating that success and, and, and really launching that salesperson in a way that allows as you said, a win-win-win. The client's successful, the business is successful, and the salesperson is successful. Mm. And I think our team, they're an asset. And assets, as we know, we invest in our assets. So often as businesses, when we're focused on, it's going to cost us money, it's going to cost us time, <laughs> we're investing in that. Once you've got those clear principles and processes in place, that means when we're hiring another person, because this this salesperson has been so successful, we need to hire you know more people, then we don't need to go right back to the table and reinvent. We've got a document that already is clearly defined. But what I really wanted to say was, we don't don't recognize the cost in time, in wasted energy, in stress, in clients that we may lose because we've hired the wrong person. I think it's a, a, the cost to us in hiring the wrong person, I think will be far greater than taking time and investing in our team. I'm sure that's something that you found too, yes? Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when I've been working with my clients and, and particularly people who've employed the wrong salesperson in the p past, mm -hmm. you know, their estimates about what that cost them. I mean, even if they were only in the business for 90 days, it probably still cost them, you know, the 80, 100, $120,000 mm -hmm. um, in lost productivity. And, you know, then people get disillusioned and, you know, it, it really, it doesn't just impact on the salesperson, obviously. I mean, it impacts on them if they're failing, but, it, that impacts on everyone in the team. Yes. 
It certainly does. Mm. Fran, uh, it has been a pleasure speaking with you again. And as I said, I, I have had the pleasure of working with you. Can highly recommend you. And Thank so you. the people who have listened today, they can see, you know what, we really do have gaps. We're not transparent as we should. And we certainly don't have the measured measurement uh, factors and the metrics in place. We need support. How can people get in contact with you? So the best way to get in contact with me is uh, via LinkedIn or via my mobile. Fantastic. So LinkedIn, they would just do a search for Frances Pratt, F-R-A-N-C-E-S-P-R-A-T-T. And yep. what's your mobile? My mobile number is 0417-331-040. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Anne-Marie. There you go. That brings us to the end of another show. If you want to invest in sales team and get that process put into place, highly recommend you reach out and connect with Fran. Also, if you want to connect with Australia's foremost collective of business experts and thought leaders, all you need to do is go to www.ssba.net.au. That's www.ssba.net.au. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.